hello. Hello, I'm walking past a Van Leeuwen. Um, in Brooklyn. Things are different today. Okay, so I just want to prepare you. I'll sing the song. Don't worry. Things are not totally out of sorts. It would sound like that, though, with the car alarm. What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? I have no idea any of the pitches I just sang because I was so kind of overwhelmed by that scooter alarm as that was very much the music of my mind there is a breeze i'm a little cold it's um after 11 p.m and i am in prospect heights leaving russell jansen's place we had a dinner soiree a gay old time literally a gay old time with um russell and john hubiar came by for dinner and then Russell's roommate Oliver came later and you know we discussed being gay in the 80s I guess I was just a child then but Oliver could give us some perspective um I also got to harvest blackberries from a huge blackberry bush that was on Oliver and Peter's terrace and that was a thrill and it really I meant to get a picture for Jack because I was harvesting berries into a bowl, which is iconically symbolic of our relationship a la Melancholia. Um, I'm the sister who fills the bowls and he's the sister who is distracted and depressed and only can pick a few berries at a time. And then I get to be the sister who dumps those few berries into the basket to make my depressed, distracted sister feel as if she's accomplishing something in this world. Um, I have a, I made a list this week as I'd have a thought, I would write it down in my notes application. And my friend Andrew Wallace yesterday taught me about the reminders application. Um, which I, I hope to, to continue using and, and cultivate skills with my reminders application. I did go to my mom's home in Sag Harbor over the weekend and I tried to help her learn how to use an iPhone. <laughs> I won't even go into the details because you can only imagine what that's like, but I mean, I think that uh, though I may not have really taught her how to use it, I did help her to set it up. And I think I got her excited about using her Sonos and and potentially being able to use it. And, you know, I, I think I drummed up some enthusiasm, you know, hopefully some interest in continuing to use the phone and, you know, typing without... Um, tapping in that way. My mom's very proud that she has such total mastery over knowing that, you know, the letter E is, is to push the two twice or whatever. Um, she's fluent in that, in that phone language. Um, at any rate, 
I wanted to talk to you this week about um, jury duty. I did my civic duty a couple weeks ago. I was called to jury duty after I had done a postponement before the pandemic. And then I got called to jury duty and in this sort of nightmare series of bad luck, I actually ended up in the courtroom. Um, I need to get on the train. Okay, let me cross the street. So after the postponement, I got a letter that said, you know, check in on these days to see if you're one of the lottery jurors who's called on this on, on said day. Sorry, I'm getting my, my mask. Descending, um, excuse me, into the subterranean area. Okay. Okay. So I'll talk quietly. I feel a little self conscious just talking to my phone down in the subway. You know what I mean? So anyways, I'm down here, um, jury duty. So I called the number to let you know whether or not you'd be needed at jury duty. And my number was called. So I said, okay. So I showed up on Monday at 9am for jury duty. And I went to the holding room and waited a, quite a while for everyone to get settled. People were arriving 45 minutes late, which I thought, well, at that point, just don't come, you know, that's so late. And eventually, um, after they'd gone over all the rules with us, this judge came on the monitor and explained to us what the trial was. And it was a sexual assault case um, in the subway. And so I thought, I really don't want to be on this trial. And um, eventually they were like, we're going to call 30 names, um, 24 jurors and six alternates, something like that. And I was, in fact, called fairly early on. I got my things together and I went um, to a different floor and stood in this long line to be called into the courtroom. And I was at the back of the line and they said, the first 24 people in this line are going to go into the courtroom and I'm sorry, a train's about to come, I think. Oh, no, that was just a truck going overhead or a car with very loud music. And so um, I stood in that line and I didn't have to go into the room because they said, the last six of you, why don't you sit on these benches and wait? And if something, if any one of those jurors who's gone in objects or whatever then you're going to get called in so after a couple minutes a man came out and he pointed to us one side of this hallway where some of us were sitting he said people on this side of the hallway come on in you're needed so then we were seated alphabetically in these pews and um we um i'm so sorry you know what the train is coming and I'm feeling a little bit perplexed at the moment. So I'm going to pause and I will 
resume shortly. I'll resume shortly when I get home or off the train. Bye bye. And we're back. So I got out of the train at Canal Street because I thought it'd give me a little bit of extra time to chat. Um, obviously I can continue chatting once um, I get back home, but uh, I wonder that if some of you like the sounds of New York life as I walk and talk, attempt to think as I walk. Very challenging right now. Um, anyways, I was talking about jury duty. I sat at a pew and, and um, then they introduced us to the attorneys and the defendant. And um, I, I thought to myself, well, you know, I, he's guilty. I just feel like I'm not here to to victim blame and if if a, a female went through the effort of reporting this man to subway attendants and has gone through the effort of pressing charges I'm gonna go ahead and have to absolutely believe that something bad happened to her because I mean what a drag to have to go through all of these proceedings, etc., to to um, to have lied about something like that seems ab- totally implausible to me. So I felt I'm not I'm not the person to be on this jury because my my decision's already made, and I haven't heard any of the evidence. I haven't heard any anything from the defense. I just thought. I'm not fit to be on this jury. And so once they started asking these questions, which I thought was a bit outrageous, the the, the judge would ask a question like, have you ever been the victim of sexual assault? And if you had, you would raise your hand. (laughs) Oh my God. And you would have to speak into a microphone that a police officer would hand you or a jury bailiff, whatever. Remember um, Mole from Night Court? Was that his name? Richard Mole? What was his name? What was the character's name on Night Court? Well, no matter. Did you see that Jombie from Pee Wee's Playhouse died? That's sad news. That's someone who, you know, we all loved very dearly from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Mecca like a high, Mecca hiney ho, rest in peace. Um, so. At any rate, I, um, I did not raise my hand when they asked the question, you know, have you or someone you're close to been the victim of sexual assault? But many people did and, and had to then explain to the judge, you know, why it was they or, or what the circumstances of their assault was and, and whether or not it made them feel as if they were unfit to serve on the jury were going to uh, be biased in some way. So then the judge asked the question, um, have you been the victim of um, any other kind 
of crime or been involved in another kind of criminal case, etc. And I raised my hand and I said, <clears throat> I got the microphone, I said, I've been the victim of a violent crime. I didn't elaborate. I, I was referring to the punch in the face, as you all know, and though that was not a crime I, I reported in any fashion, but she said, do you feel as if you would be able to serve on this jury fairly? I said, no. And I was promptly dismissed from the case, which was great because that meant my entire jury duty went from about 9 a.m. to maybe 11, 11.30 a.m. over the course of only one day. Now the judge had prefaced all this by saying, this trial should be over fairly briefly. I don't imagine it's going to go past Friday. And it was Monday. And I thought, oh my God, if I'm on this jury, I'm gonna wanna wrap it up in a couple hours. But I guess that's just not how the justice system works. And you know, I didn't see it through to the end, so I can't speak to what it is exactly, but I am glad I saw what I saw. It was interesting to see the judicial branch of our state government in action. Um, so I, I say overall, jury duty, positive experience. I don't, the way that people honk at each other, uh, it's, um, it defies logic. You know, they're not honking to say like, excuse me, they're just honking because they're tired or mad or not even sure what. Oh, just honking. Um, are you watching Mayor of Easttown? I finished it this week and wow, I did not know that it was going to be that devastating. I, I, I was really taken by surprise, I have to say. Julianne Nicholson was so profound in that last episode in, in the way that she handled tragedy of, you know, mythological proportion. Ugh. I could cry just thinking about it. It was so insane. I was sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. Um, but a very beautiful and nuanced and true performance from Julianne Nicholson. Congratulations. Um, she's a dance and stuff listener. I, um, I, what else is on my, my list of things. There's a drunkard on a bike. Um, I can't wait for all of you to get to read James Whiteside's book that comes out in August, I believe. It is, it's really a, an achievement. It's, it is singular in the world of dancer memoir. Um, it's so expansive in the way that it handles the material of his life its anecdote its humor its poetry it's it's really beautiful and so funny and so sad j'adore you james j'adore your book um russell had was intending to have andrew and i over for dinner tonight but 
had to take his grandmother to an MRI last night, so it got postponed, which meant that Andrew couldn't come. But it did mean that John Hubiar, who I haven't seen since pre-pandemic, was able to come. And we got to catch up, and I got to French braid his hair. And I still have not yet figured out correct French braiding technique, though I can certainly weave the hair into some kind of some kind of knot. I mean, what it always ends up looking like, it seems, is um, a horse's tail that's been braided for competition. And I guess that might be because those were the very first kinds of hair braids that I got experience with. I don't know if, if you know this, listeners, but I used to spend my summers when I would go back to stay with my mom who had newly moved to the Hamptons. You know, my mom, well, for A of all, my brother and I used to go to Idaho in the summers to stay with my mom's family. My mom would put us on a plane, unaccompanied minors, and we would go out to Idaho and stay with our aunt and uncle and cousin and grandmother and everybody was out there. And mom would get the summer away from the kids in, you know, hot, awful New York. But, you know, I think it was great for everybody because she got a break. We didn't have to be in the city. We got to have like country living for kids. And when my mom moved out to the Hamptons, I'm in the lobby of my building now. You can hear the tiles echoing. I think it's, oh, it's that time of month. Opera news. Um, who is on the cover? Ricardo Muti. It's a very attractive photo. Um, so, anyways, once my mom moved to the Hamptons, I think we were at this age where it just didn't make sense for us to go out and take up all this space and energy with my and my cousin, etc. And, you know, now my mom was living in the country. And so we could stay with her in the summers. And, you know, it became clear very quickly that we needed to be occupied. And so my job that I ended up getting as a, oh, I must have been 13. I was a pony camp counselor. And I would help uh, young people um, learn to ride ponies and I would help with cleaning and tacking the ponies at this fancy um, English riding stable called Sag Pond Farm and uh, I got riding lessons in exchange and a tiny bit of cash and it was really fun and I was into the kind of like manual labor of it all. And um, I got some nice little riding boots and um, maybe even some little jod furs to wear for my riding lessons. Um, now, I, I certainly did never entered into the world of competitive English style riding. I don't have any ribbons to show for my time at Sagpon Farm, but. Um, I did do some trotting and posting and cantering, etc. Um, anyways, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? 
summer jobs, summer jobs, Sagpon farm horses. I'm never, ever going to be able to get back to where, where we were with this conversation. So I'm now going to just flip over in my apps to my notes and, um, here we go. Oh my gosh. So two things. First, I'm going to talk about going to B and H for, to pick up some hard drives. And second, I'm going to talk about voting. Okay. So I needed to, I'm now terrified that I'm going to lose all my, um, computer information because I have to graduate from school and now there's these huge documents. And if I lost them, it would just be like the biggest nightmare in my life. And I have one external hard drive and most of my things I believe are stored in the cloud. I'm pretty sure almost everything or everything is stored in the cloud. Now, for those of you listening who are very organized with your technology life, I, I don't want you to have anxiety for me. I don't want your sympathy. Now, if you live in the New York or the tri-state area and you wanted to come sit down with me for eight to 12 hours and organize it for me and explain to me what you're doing along the way, I'd absolutely welcome that. I would cook you meals. Um, I'd braid your hair. I'd, um, you know, we could negotiate a variety of, of trades that give you a t-shirt. I don't know. But at any rate, I was going to B&H to pick up two external hard drives that I ordered online from them. And I got off of the A train at 34th Street. And it was one of those days, it was rainy. And I thought, well, I'll just stay underground and walk as far, far west as I can. And at that point, oh, no, no, I know. I, I was on the one train. And then I, I got off at 34th Street, which meant I definitely had to walk west because I had to get over to 9th Avenue and I was on 7th Avenue. And so I started walking through Penn Station. Um, and to walk through Penn Station without, without the goal of getting on a train to go somewhere is a very peculiar experience. And I was really going through all of these subterranean hallways of Long Island Railroad and Amtrak and all the different tracks, etc. And God, it's a very, you see things that you would never have otherwise seen because when you're there with intention of getting on a train, you know, you, you see what you need to see. You see the board and the track you're going to get on and the machine you're getting the ticket from. But when you have no purpose, gosh, you really see a lot and it's a spooky, spooky experience. But I did end up getting as far west as I could in Penn Station and I emerged from underground and I walked past Moynihan Hall, which is suddenly a name I now know for the new, the new Amtrak um, portion of what was Penn Station and, or what was the old post office. And I, I've been in that space once now. I feel weirdly underwhelmed by it. And I suppose that's because I have this sadness and this kind of disappointment around the fact that the old Penn Station, which was a beautiful glass topped um, European style train station, these vaulted ceilings. 
um, was torn down and because the real estate people wanted to build Madison Square Garden, a blight on the island of Manhattan. And, um, you know, it's a real tragedy that they that they demolished that gorgeous train station and built what would become the most anxiety-inducing train station on Earth, which was Penn Station. Now, the old Penn Station seems a bit better than it was in the past because, you know, traffic's greatly reduced since it's Amtrak's moved over to Moynihan Hall, which is does have a, these vaulted glass ceilings that I'm sure took a lot of engineering and I'm sure some architecture firm is very proud. But I have to say the surfaces and the kind of like style choices of that hall are not so chic. It's not a chic thing. But I digress. Someone's disagreeing with me out there, but it's an upgrade. It's not so great. Meow, meow, meow. Um, what are we talking about? Tron stations, B&H. I picked up my hard drives. Now, I've never been into B&H. I didn't know that it was some like weird Willy Wonka world of electronics. I didn't know that there was going to be you know, uh, tubs of computer monitors whizzing around on a series of roller coaster tracks specially designed for these tubs. It was very, it was unexpected to say the least. Um, okay. So that was, that was one thing I was going to talk about my trip to B&H voting. So this week was the mayoral election amongst other elections in New York and that morning I I um gosh was that the morning I got the hard drives I think that was hard drives morning wow this is all one day so after hard drives I came back downtown because I had to go to my polling site which was on Morton Street this time and I didn't know who to vote for because there's many, many choices and it was ranked voting and I just hadn't done my research. So I called Jeremy and I thought, Jeremy will know. Jeremy will have read the newspaper. He's going to know who to vote for. And I said, Jeremy, who, who do I vote for in this election? He said, oh, well, I'm not there. So I don't really know. I haven't done the research so much. And so I thought, oh, God, so I can't vote this morning. What am I going to do? And, you know, I time was limited because I had to get to studio because I'm was in the middle of this school project I was doing with Harriet and Pam, which is going well and is, I think, going to be great. But I, I then, um, I had a discussion with, um, Pam and Harriet at work, but I was simultaneously, I had a, I called Russell. I said, Russell, who do I vote for? Now, Russell was absolutely prepared. He said, you know, I've looked up my candidates I want through the working family. I shouldn't be telling you this because, you know, voting is private. Voting is private. So I'm not going to tell you who he chose. But at any rate, I thought I'm going to go ahead and trust Russell. And I'm also going to take some advice from Pam and Jeremy. And I kind of did a little bit of reading and I went and looked up what the working families party was about and who they were endorsing, etc. And then I, after work, went to my polling site, which, where there was, who was at this point, probably 7.30, 7.45, nobody was there. I mean, a handful of people. Anyways, I voted in a semi-informed way, though I was madly looking through my phone to get the names of people as I was doing this ranked voting. 
do you wear those voting stickers when you did it? I was thinking about that. I thought, God, everyone's always bragging about how they voted. But then I thought, oh, it's also a good reminder to everybody to go vote. So I didn't put on my sticker because it was already the end of the voting day. But I feel like in the future going forward, I am in fact going to put my sticker on at least on my backpack or cap or something. Okay, so that's voting. Any any dance news this week? I um I saw some very encouraging news um via Instagram that PMB has hired um a young person who, you know, I don't know that they identify in their social personal life as gender non-binary, but as a ballet dancer, they identify as non-binary in the roles that they perform. And this person is equally gifted in, um, in sort of men's requirements or men's physicality and women's, these are in quotations, by the way, I'm quote, quote fingers, women's, because we all know gender's a construct, gender's a construct, women's um, um, vocabulary in ballet, meaning point work, etc. And, you know, in celebration of their recent hiring into the Pacific Northwest Ballet Company, this person posted absolutely exquisite video of them doing the um, Harlequinade variation, um, the female variation from Balanchine's Harlequinade. And it was just, I just wept watching it. I thought this is actually hope for the future of ballet, that there can be gender non-binary dancing and a person of color being hired into Pacific Northwest Ballet under the pretense that they will be performing both male and female roles. I thought that is exceptional and hopefully we will be seeing more of that so that ballet can move into the future. Um, so that's some good news. The bad news, however, was that that unfortunately they let go a, a very gifted soloist, Leah Merchant, who um, just gave birth. And I thought, well, wow, that's very inhumane. Um, and she is one of the dancers who, in my experience of costuming dances at PMB, was just really exceptional. So it was sad to see a story like that. So I'm of two minds about hiring and firing there at the moment. And obviously I, I don't work there outside of being a freelance costume designer. So I don't know the whole story, but I'm making assumptions and I, I'm having feelings and that's still valid. Um, I spoke to my friends, Garrett Anderson and Courtney Wright Anderson, um, on FaceTime a couple nights ago, started, we started way too late. I mean, they're two hours earlier, mountain time in Boise. And I stayed up till, are you ready for it? 3am. And, um, we were talking, 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 talking. 
And I got the whole scoop on Valley, Idaho and how they've survived the pandemic and the dancers have received pay raises during this time, which is so crazy. And they did 10 new creations digitally or on video during the pandemic, which I thought was just so amazing for a small company in Boise. And um, I just think it's like, uh, I think it's actually, it's actually, you would think that to be the director of a company like that would be, would be harrowing, a harrowing experience, a company with very little resources and not a huge amount of interest in a, in a city without a huge amount of interest in ballet, but it's actually an amazing opportunity. I feel so proud of my friend Garrett, who was my roommate when we were at ballet school in Seattle, but he's doing a great job and also raising three small male children at the same time biologically male, I should say. We'll, we'll see what, how that turns out. But I, I did ask Courtney at a certain point, cause you know, she was regaling me with stories about the kids. And I said, do you ever contemplate murdering your children? And I started thinking about that absolutely crazy documentary series on Netflix that I believe was called American murder, where that guy murders his whole family because he like got a hot body and wanted to be in a relationship with someone else from like orange theory or Barry's boot camp or whatever it was that was, you know, organizing his body. Um, that haunting, absolutely haunting documentary got me to thinking about, you know, difficult children. And I thought, wow, it's hard to be a parent. And um, Courtney said she does not, in fact, contemplate murdering her children, though she does contemplate um, other kinds of punishment for them. And, you know, though, you know, Courtney's a very gentle and kind mother. Um, wow, it's so late. What time is it? I don't know. I've only been recording for 34 minutes. But I think it's going to have to be a short one this week because I don't have any more steam left in me. I am leaving for school this weekend. And then I think the whole nature of this podcast will shift a bit. I think I will start interviewing my classmates, hopefully, which will be fascinating because I am at school with an extraordinary group of individuals. And um, those conversations should be more generative than this gobbledygook that I just um, pushed out of my weary body into my iPhone 7. Um, I would tell you what that I've been watching things, but I honestly have, cannot even make it through a YouTube video I've been passing out. Oh, oh, <laughs> last night I was passing out during a Lizzie Chi video. And then I finally roused myself and managed to shower and get back in bed. And then I said, I want to watch an episode of a plot driven program. And I looked on Netflix and one of, I think the number two sh show in America right now is something called Manifest. I have no, I'd never heard of it. 
I just read the little description. It sounded kind of like paranormal and I thought that sounds fun. So I turned it on. It is, I, I mean, I've only watched two episodes, but it seems to me it's Christian propaganda on a uh, major um, network. I believe it's probably ABC or CBS, but wow, that they, I understand, I understand that this nation is majority Christian. I know that, but to have a show about a magic disappearing plane and then have it be about Christian stuff, I just thought, can this just be about magic, please? I've really so enjoyed talking to you today. That's not actually true. It, it's been fun at points during this past 35 minutes, but it's also been a struggle. And I'm, now I'm going to have to put this onto the computer and, you know, change it from this kind of audio file. Um, oh, okay, that's it. Shador, I'll see you next week. Um, it's going to be better. I, it's going to be better. I'm so sorry. It's going to be better. I love you. Bye.